Yeah, honestly, the Bitcoin community, I'm not really in it, but I see on Twitter, they are the ones who seem most awake to what's going on. So you guys are plugged in. I'm happy to learn from you guys. So thank you. Hello, everybody. My name is Daniel Prince, and I'm the host of the Once Bitten podcast. This is a podcast focused on Bitcoin. It's my mission to interview as many people as I can around the different aspects of Bitcoin and help people understand exactly what Bitcoin could mean for them and for their families and for their future. I hope you enjoy the show. Thank you so much for listening. Hello, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Once Bitten podcast and starting off 2022 with an absolute banger with Kelvin Robinson from GB News who took the time out of his very busy schedule to join me and come on the podcast to share his ideas. He's out there challenging the narrative and it's so fresh to see somebody or a news channel doing this on behalf of those of us who are thinking completely different to the narrative that is being pushed down our throats the last 18 months or even longer, let's be fair, probably our whole lives. Anyway, I hope you enjoy this episode with Calvin. Before we do get into the podcast please make sure you're checking out the show sponsors all links are in the show notes if you go to those links and use those links there are goodies on the other side whether that's a ten dollar kicker or a 10 euro kicker or save on commissions different firms are running different promotions all of the time so make sure you check it out but please stack sats that means buy bitcoin if you're tuning in as one of calvin's listeners bitcoin is here to stay and you should definitely be looking to pick a few satoshis up you can do that in a very easy manner you can dollar cost average in the u.s with swanbitcoin.com across europe with relay r-e-l-a-i dot c-h or also in europe bitcoinreserve.com and coincorner.com all of these companies can help you start buying bitcoin and educating you on how best to interact with it and store it you do need to store it that is a very important step you can use the bitbox 02 bitcoin only hardware wallet by shipcrypto.ch again links are in the show notes that will save you five percent and if you want to get to the conference to the biggest conference ever bitcoin conference will be in miami 6th to the 9th of april 2022 you can get a 10 percent discount using the code bitten at checkout so make sure you are looking at all of these links again in the show notes i hope you enjoy this episode with calvin please reach out he's really interested in learning more from us take care enjoy the show okay calvin we are recording we have the the best dressed man on television joining us today uh calvin robinson <laughs> how are you thank you very much for that lovely compliment i'm fine thank you how are you very very well uh so so lauren do you do you have a question for calvin i do mm -hmm. so my question is do you know anything about bitcoin do i know anything about bitcoin i know a few things about bitcoin i'm not an expert by by a long shot um I, I tried mining Bitcoin when it first came out, actually, just to give it a go and see what it was all about. Uh, and then I forgot about it. And years later, I checked my wallet. I was thinking, oh, you know, all those years ago when I was mining Bitcoin, imagine if I had something left in my wallet. But no, it was empty, unfortunately. Uh, I've mined Ethereum and Monero. So I've had a, a go at, you know, some old, I've got some external GPUs. I've had a go at a bit of mining and 
I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm involved in the community or anything like that, but I've got a friend who is hardcore bang on it. He, he used to be a day trader and now he's a, a Bitcoin uh, entrepreneur. So he tells me uh, a bit, bits and bobs every now and then. Right. Okay. Do you have anything to tell him about Bitcoin? Mm, it's helpful. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Very helpful. It's so, helpful in, in, in what way? In money. Yeah. Give me your top tip. Like, what is it? Why is it the most? What's the most helpful thing about Bitcoin? Um. So in, <clears throat> so you know, inflation and when like governments keep printing money and like the prices keep going up and uh, your money is just the same and it just like goes down in price and then you can't use it. So when you mm -hmm. put it into Bitcoin, it goes up instead of down. Okay. Pretty good. Thank you. Because people often tell me on the internet, you know, Bitcoin will solve this. Bitcoin will fix this. Like, hmm, okay. It seems to be solving or fixing a lot of problems. Uh, that's what daddy keeps Well, saying. The, the, the extension <laughs> to that, that kind of meme is um, well, fix the money, fix the world. You know, the, uh, the belief within the, the, the community is that because the money is so broken, because it's manipulated by, the, you know, the state or the, the central bank of whichever country that you're under, um, that, that money is never sound it's never true uh, therefore it will always lose value over time and with with the bitcoin issuance schedule being known every 10 minutes six and a quarter bitcoin are released we know every four years that will get halved and we know that there will only ever be 21 million hard cap uh, so that's the big draw for for people that um when they say bitcoin fixes this they are actually referring to fix the money, fix the world, because if we all lived under a sound monetary system and we all knew that we were using this medium of exchange that was not being manipulated or coerced or co-opted or, you know, exchanged away for, for whatever by those in power, then um, the world would be a better place. Well, yeah, this is what the, the Great Reset is all about, isn't it? The current oh. system doesn't work. It's <laughs> collapsing, so they're trying to implement something else. Absolutely. And that's that it was that clip that the Bitcoin community picked up on you talking about the great reset and right. all of a sudden, I don't know whether you were aware, but that got tweeted and retweeted around the Bitcoin community a great deal. Um, and we can, we can get that. into, we can get into that, uh, precisely why. Um, but before we do, uh, I just want to make sure that, that Lauren, you, you're exhausted question. Uh, what do you mean? You, you, do you have any more questions or are uh, you done? No, or? I'm done. You're done? Okay. Yeah. Do you want to okay. say? Yeah. Yeah. See you. Goodbye. Lovely to meet you. Take care. Lovely to meet you too. See you. Bye-bye. Uh, yeah. And that's how I first came aware of you um, from right. from that clip. Um, it was um, it was great to see because uh, I'm not sure that you're aware, but the Bitcoin community have definitely been on top of this whole great reset narrative from the very beginning. Uh, you know, right. you'll, own, you'll own nothing and be happy. All of this kind of complete yeah. nonsense. Um, so, yeah, like, let's get your take on that. You know, you, 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 I think you put it perfectly. I'll have to paraphrase. But, like, you, I didn't vote for these people at the WEF or the WHO or whoever pulling these strings. Why do I, therefore, have to bow to what they want for me to be doing in 10 years' time, owning nothing and being happy? That, that sounds awful. Yeah, it's this idea of building back better. Building back better for whom? That's the question we should all be asking, I think. Uh, unfortunately, not many people in the mainstream media are asking that question. They're just assuming that better means good, because it sounds good. Absolutely. And uh, 
are those that want to build back better creating these headlines uh, that the the mainstream media are putting out i mean y your work at gb news is is so refreshing uh, to see people that are you know ready to challenge the narrative whereas the narratives just seem to be pushed out on mass throughout the newspapers that are all they all seem to be marching to the same drum yeah well this is why i work for gb news uh, I, I genuinely believe in what I do and talk radio and GB news are the only uh, media outlets as far as I can gather in in this country that will address issues from all perspectives or at least try to uh, all the other mainstream media outlets will just churn out the same old garbage the same approved narrative from the BBC to Sky to ITV it doesn't matter Channel 4 they're all saying the same thing and it's no one's questioning anymore no one's trying to you know do proper investigative journalism um, even around COVID, well, especially around COVID, you know, in 2009 with the uh, the Tamiflu scan, scandemic um, and the whole Pfizer incident, that was big. And Jon Snow uncovered a lot of that. But this time around, nobody's cared to look because we've all been, well, not all of us, but a lot of people have been hoodwinked by what's going on. Ah, have they not cared to look or have they been paid not to look? This is what I can't put my finger on. And the perfect example of this or analogy that I'd like to use is if two years ago a country like Australia or Austria or New Zealand had pulled some of the moves that they've been pulling throughout this you know in air quotes pandemic yeah. presidents and heads of states or prime ministers would have been woken up in the morning at like 2 a.m by their aides you've got to put on a suit you've got to get in front of a camera and you've got to denounce what is going on as these are crimes against humanity going on in you know name one of the previous countries there's been silence yeah well i like to look at it from a charitable perspective and i know a lot of these people and a lot of these people are professionals and they care about what they do so i don't think it is about as, as simple as being paid off i think that's a um a pejorative um reason that i hear quite often and yes a lot of money has gone into media but the higher ups will have got a lot of that money the people on the ground the journalists won't have seen any of that money um and the way that journalism tends to work is journalism journalists run with stories that interest them and their producers help them with background and they they want to be the first to break the story so they're looking for things that interest them the problem i think is that most people are have been brainwashed at this point. There's this mass psychosis that we're talking about at the moment that's going on. You know, people have been scared to death over COVID. And I'm not saying it is a scandemic because I, I used that word earlier, so I do want to clarify. I do understand that there is a virus. The virus is real. I'm not suggesting it's made up. But is it a global pandemic? And is it as dangerous as the media would have us believe? That's the question. When we know that it's a 99% survival rate and we know that the the vaccine for the virus is probably more risky than the virus itself for most people who are not vulnerable you know to young people in particular so what i think is i, I don't know if you've read laura dodsworth um, state of fear book but she captures a lot of this that people have been the, well the governments have been peddling so much fear so much propaganda um for so long that people have been captured by it and it's just assumed knowledge at this point so to suggest otherwise would be a conspiracy theory or be loopy or nutty so it gets shrugged off and that's why no one's looking into it it's not that they're or we, you know we, we don't want to upset our paymasters i really don't buy into that hmm so you, you you're not because i've been doing some deep thought on this and i, I sent you an infographic uh, recently where they have like the global private public partnership i don't know if um if you saw that um and I just cannot get this idea out of my mind that 
there's a powerful lobby group that right now have the upper hand and that would seem to be big pharma that are driving narratives um mm. to to push their products um and like you, no, absolutely and, and so this that is what's happening Daniel. that is what's happening the, the powerful the big pharma is a massive lobbyist and everyone's talk, talking about them at the moment as if they're saints like they're here they're heroes they're here to save the day I mean, to some extent, they do want to create vaccines, but not to save the day. They want to make money. They are corporate entities. Their, their whole purpose is to reward their shareholders. For the most part, obviously, at Oxford, AstraZeneca, Pfizer, and, and Moderna in particular, all of their money pretty much is from the vaccine at this point. So they're making a king from it. It's in their interest to make as many people take it as often as possible. That's common sense. Um, but so, of course, they have massive lobbyists pushing. And this is why I refer to the 2009 incident, uh, because they were doing the same thing then. But luckily, put people put up barriers and questioned it early enough on before Project Fear had totally kicked in. Um, and this time around, people weren't as careful and people have been taken over by it. And we have this mass psychosis that you're talking about. And um, did you catch the, the Joe Rogan interview with, with Robert Malone? Yeah, I, well, I mean, I've seen clips of it. I don't have yeah. time to watch entire podcasts of, of like three hours long, but but I did see good clips of it. Yeah, yeah, and 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 they delved into this, and um, and and Rogan made the point actually. It's like um, you know, we, we came out of COVID, you know, completely divided as a nation post Trump, and this is exactly what happened in the UK, right? Post Brexit, we had four years, yeah. four long years of Brexit and division and that we know that was very well orchestrated because uh, carol cadwallader she she exposed what was going on in, in facebook and uh you know the cambridge analytica kind of scandal uh, and the people that were behind that um the division the the generational wars you know it was the gray vote it's the it was the older generation it was the baby boomers that have ruined all of the um the millennials and the zoomers lives you know it was it was done in such a way that it was going to divide not just communities, but families, quite frankly. Mm. And then comes along COVID, bam. And it's been an even greater divide and um, mixed in between all of that, um, the, the the racial hatred, which you address on, on your homepage. Um, I don't know, where, where do you want to, where do you want to take that kind of little uh, rant of mine? What, what's, uh, well, I, th I, th I think, firstly, we have to look into COVID in, a, in the sense of, I mean, you're, you're absolutely right, and the politics was set up perfectly for this situation of, of divide and conquer, uh, coming out of Brexit and, and post-Trump at the same time, uh, which are both quite similar political issues in that democracy is dying anyway, um, losers' consent is dead and buried, you know, vote leave won the Brexit argument, but remain would not concede. Uh, Trump won the election, but the Democrats wouldn't concede. And then Trump lost the election and he wouldn't concede. Um, so on both sides, it, it's a mess. We can't have a winner without a loser. And if the losers don't concede, we don't have a victory. Therefore, we don't have a working democratic system. So it is ripe for this situation. But then we have to look at was this just an opportunity that people jumped on? Because they were clearly ready for it. You know, they've been training for it. We've seen the WF documents. We've seen the training scenarios. It's all out there in the open. They were ready for this scenario um, in order to handle it in a political way and to take advantage of it. But we also know that people like Dr. Fauci, the NIH, were funding the lab where the leak allegedly came from. We also know that they, at the same time they were funding um, 
the Moderna vaccine and the, you know, the battle right now for the patent and the US wants to take money from the vaccine. Um, so we know they're funding the virus, we know they're funding the vaccine, and we know they were preparing for the pandemic. Uh, so conspiracy nutters like us might put, you know, <laughs> two and two together and make make five and say, you know, this is clearly uh, all orchestrated. Or it might just, there might be some elements of coincidence in there. It might just be that, yes, they were funding it and it happened to leak through incompetence. But because of that, they've jumped on the back of it and taken advantage of it because they were preparing and they were waiting for something like this to happen. Either way, it doesn't really matter because they have jumped on the back of it and they are using it for political gains. And the elites are taking over every aspect of our lives step by step um and it, you know constantly we see these issues come up that are the thin end of the wedge and people accept it because we've given up on freedom and safety is paramount and once once safety is paramount you no longer have a life because you'll give up anything in order to feel safe and you know there's so many old cliches i won't list them off but the idea that the government is there for your best interests is ridiculous you should always question the government you should always help them to hold them to account and scrutinize them uh because they have power over you, but they're supposed to be there to serve you. And when they are no longer serving you and they're, they're dictating to you, uh, whether it's your own good or not, that's not in your best interest. No, it certainly isn't. And it, there's another thing um, that I saw you tweet out, something along the lines of, why does everything, why, why is it when I ever I kind of like start unpacking this or following the money or, or looking deeper into this it all somehow leads back to bill gates i'm not yeah. sure if you remember that tweet yeah. um and he invested in uh 55 million dollars into BioNTech september 2019 by march 2020 that had obviously been swallowed up by pfizer who is also a shareholder of and then he was finding himself on Prime TV in Germany, given 10 minute slot on Easter Sunday to address the nation about how everybody needs to take a vaccination. Then you look a little bit further into it, and they are a huge funder of the BBC, the Bill and Melinda Gates yeah. Foundation. <laughs> like, yeah, you called us conspiracy, conspiracy theorists. Um, how do we stop people using that? term against people that are willing to have a discussion or at least do the minimum three clicks on a google search to follow that's how long it took me to find that information out it's out there um, i'll get back to the conspiracy part of the question i want yep. to start with bill gates because i was one of those people so at the start of this pandemic uh, the girl that i was seeing at the time was saying that this is all bill gates this is all down to bill gates i'm like you're crazy what do you <laughs> why does, would this guy be interested in any of this um and she'd be like, well, look, he's linked to everything. I'm like, well, of course he is. He's the richest man in the world. You know, he's invested in so many things. Of course there are links. But the problem is that the more that you look into it, the more obvious it becomes that he has vested interests in all of this, in the vaccine, in the virus, in the pandemic, in the political responses to it, uh, the, the measures, and the way he's been applauding uh, draconian measures and what I would call wicked regimes in, in New Zealand and Australia, um, and kind of highlighting them as examples for other nations to copy. Whereas what I would have liked to have seen would have been other nations stand up and say, that is draconian, that's out of order, that's not something we do in Western nations. Uh, we haven't seen that, we've seen people copy it more. I mean, we did, didn't we? We, co we copied Italy technically, but really and truly, we copied China with the first lockdown. I'm still gobsmacked that that actually happened in, in Great Britain. I still can't get my head around the fact that we copied the Chinese Communist Party in locking down uh, free subjects or free citizens in, our, in, our, in a free country. It's baffling. But 
where to go with that. But the idea is that somehow he's, I don't know if he wants to make himself richer because he's already got all the money in the world. I think that what he wants to do is play God. I, whether that's, whether he really believes he's being philanthropic and he really believes he has the best intentions for the world and his way is the right way and he wants to do it, or whether he is wicked, whether he is the Antichrist or, or whatever, it doesn't really matter what his motivation is. He is meddling in far too many areas and control and pulling too many purse strings and controlling too many people, too many narratives, too many lobby groups in that it is his way. And we are all following his way. And that's very dangerous for the world. So Bill Gates and China are two massive influences in, the, in, this, in this period of time that need to be addressed. But to the second part of your question, which was, uh, what was it again? It was like, how do we stop people calling, cancelling conspiracy, conspiracy theorists? Yeah. yeah. You know. um, I mean, we can't. These, this is the problem with, I'm, I don't know how to address them. So it's usually people that are either hard left or woke or metropolitan liberal elites or progressive or within a Venn diagram of all of those groups, people that see themselves as self-righteous or, or the righteous rather, self-righteous people that see themselves as the righteous, the good people, they tend to shut down the opposition because they look down their noses at us, they sneer at us, and they, they tend to shut us down with derogatory terms, whether that's racist, xenophobic, homophobic, transphobic, and now, or yeah, most of those were in, in terms of Brexit and Trump, most of those were the words they used to shut us down. And now in terms of COVID, they'll call us conspiracy nuts or conspiracy theories, uh, theorists. And that just means that whatever we say is null and void. They don't have to address it. They don't have to debate. They don't have to counter our evidence with evidence of their own because it's all emotional. Feelings these days override facts, and that's the way they do it. They use language as a weapon. There is, I don't think there is a way around it other than keeping exposing it um, and highlighting when we're proven right. Every time a conspiracy theory comes true, theory rather, just point it out, you know, as we keep doing it, conspiracy theory became conspiracy spoiler, and people will start to open their eyes as they say, actually, yeah, he did point that out. I remember calling him a conspiracy theorist for that, and it's actually happened. And because it... The problem is these things never happen in, I mean, they're always in the open, which makes it more difficult because people say, well, what if it was a conspiracy theory? Why is it all out there? Um, you know, things like um, Klaus's book, for example, what the WF or the Great Reset isn't a conspiracy theory. It's a, it's, it's a book. It's a silly idea by whatever. But the problem is the way they implement these things is A, out in the open, but B, it's piecemeal. It's a tiny bit, step by step. You know, they get a foot through the door and they nudge it open a little bit more, a little bit more, keep doing that. They don't come in day one with, with bloody boot camps or soldiers on the ground. or that, That's not how tyranny has ever worked. It's always, well, pretty much always been in uh, disguised as the best interest of the majority. And it's always been uh, one change at a time. But people like, forget that. You know, I don't know if you saw a tweet I retweeted by Jordan Peterson, who said, you know, the lesson to learn from World War II is that you are the Nazi, because mm -hmm. everyone has this great idea about themselves. If I was in the 1930s Germany, of course, I would, I would stand up and I would say, no, that's not OK. But of course, that's not true, because the vast majority of people didn't do that. The vast majority of people went along with the regime because they were either they were complicit because it was an easier life or because they believed in what was happening because step by step they were told these mistruths this disinformation 
And these outright lies were all well, truths were shifted, truths, truths were twisted. It wasn't outright lies. That's the problem. It's always bit by bit. Um, so we need to wake people up and open people's eyes to the fact that they've been manipulated. But nobody wants to admit that they've been manipulated because that, that shows weakness. Absolutely. It's the hardest thing to to face up to once you've once you've realized you've been conned. You never want to own up to that. You, yeah. You've always got a story, you know, if you've always got a story to back up why you did it and um, the, the reasons for it. But like you say, yeah, that that Peterson clip <clears throat> did the rounds. Yeah, it's brilliant. Um, and this is what we're facing right now with this idea of vaccine mandates or vaccine passports, which I find like you, I could not believe we went into a lockdown. completely astounded me um but yet here we are two years later almost and we we've not moved any further along the line honestly and now we're having this debate about there's x amount of people that are refusenik that word that was thrown around a few weeks ago where did that come from like what what it's we're labeling people it's very, very dangerous. And we are making them out to be the great unwashed. And the reason that everybody else is potentially going to have to go back into lockdown or self-isolate. There's a wickedness <laughs> in our society um, where people who consider themselves good are labeling people they consider bad in order to, I don't know if it's in order to, but one of the consequences is that it divides us. And that that's something we've seen along. You know, I mentioned words like racist, xenophobic, et cetera, but it's deeper than that. And obviously one of the things I campaign against all the time is critical race theory and this idea that, you know, BME people or black and ethnic minority people or non-white people are somehow different to white people and must be um, given special privileges because white people are born with a privilege and everyone else is oppressed. And all of these things that I think are a nonsense. Other people have different perspectives on it, that's fine. But the problem I have with it is that it labels people, shoves them into boxes, whether you're, you're in your black box or you're in your gay box or your trans box, everyone has to have a box now. And that box is how they control you. But the people pushing you into the boxes aren't the ones controlling us. They're the ones who think they are the good guys. And the problem in my perspective, in my opinion, is that it's because we've lost faith. Because I know through my faith what good is. Like the true sense of good to me through my Christian faith is faith, faith, hope and love, right? And it's scriptural. I can read what good is. But people without a faith, I think, are looking around. So what is good? Oh, this group of people over here are saying that good is, you know, being a trans ally and saying that, you know, anyone can identify themselves as a woman. Um, that, so I, therefore, I must do that to be a good person. And it's shifting constantly. And people are always trying to keep up with it. And I call it virtue signaling. But to them, I don't think they would appreciate that. I think they would say, no, I'm just being a good person, a good citizen. This is a good thing to do. And it's changing our society bit by bit in a destructive way. I think a lot of that does come from Russia. A lot of that does come from China. I think uh, the Far East does want to kind of destroy Western values in a subvertive way. You know, Yuri Bezmanov talked about this uh, decades ago, um, uh, you know, we've heard about the long march through the institutions, all of this kind of stuff. But the idea that these 
whether it's communists or Marxists or whatever, these people that don't believe in Western values want to change our way of life in an image that they think would be better, but they're doing it in a very cowardice, very subvertive way that is difficult to fight because people don't see it happening and people become a part of it and people become the weapons. These people who consider themselves good guys are the weapons, they're the tools, and they don't realise that they're tools. Because their box has been infiltrated, right? This is what we see time and time again. Uh, like... Um... The, the BLM movement, for example, that, that, that would have been infiltrated and it blew up into what it blew up into. Like, uh, I know it wasn't as bad in the UK as it was in the US, um, but now we're seeing this this huge infiltration. You you had a debate just yesterday, I think, with um, the, this idea of um, transgenderism. Mm. Um, so who infiltrates it? Because you know, if you put yourself in in the role of a government and society is just going along and putting themselves in these boxes, that is per they are perfect targets yeah. for lobbyists to infiltrate into and explode that kind of narrative out of nowhere. So how do we it's interesting you bring up faith. I, I did uh, uh, a um a podcast with John Vallis recently who wrote a piece about Bitcoin um, and faith and um, how those kind of um, in, interlap and overlap. And I think you'd be interested by the article. Um, I'll resend it to you if you've, if you've not, um, you. if you've not read through it yet. Um, but yeah, like, so if we bring it back to your, your most recent debate, um, with the uh, on this idea of transgenderism, what what are you seeing rising up in in the UK? What why is this narrative being pushed so hard, and why are so many people seemingly jumping on the bandwagon? Yeah, so that's a good example. Tom Horwood, for example, who I was debating against, he's a good guy, nice guy. He's a colleague of mine, a friend of mine. I've known him for years. He fought uh, for Brexit, uh, which I think is very sound. Um, so yeah, good egg, but. He's a good example of what I was talking about. People like this who think they are good people and want to be seen to be good people go along with the crowd and get, get turned into a weapon, get turned into a tool. And they're not the ones with the agenda. I don't think people like who I was debating had, an, I don't think Tom had an agenda. I think he's just trying to be a good person, trying to be compassionate and support an oppressed minority as he sees them to be, the trans community, uh, in, in the way that he sees as fit. But the, the message came from, the message was an infiltration, either either from China or Russia, most of the time, uh, these communist or Marxist regimes um, that want to destroy our way of life, have disrupted us entirely. This, this idea that truth is no longer objective truth is subjective everyone has their own my truth um and everything every part of our lives everything that we've taken for granted as fact uh is now questioned and the trans debate is a good example of that you know i honestly believe that any single individual should be able, free to live their life however they see fit uh in, within the four walls of their own home as long as it doesn't um hurt anyone else but they shouldn't be able to push their ideology onto other people that's the problem we're having right now so in the trans movement, I understand that people have a lot of mental health issues and people feel like they have body dysmorphia, they feel like they're born in the wrong body, all of that. I'm not disregarding any of that. I think that's all very important. But the problem is when we deny facts in order to help those people. So we know that males, that, that 
male human beings are born with penises. They produce sperm. They have an X and a Y chromosome. These are facts. These are biological, medical, scientific facts, things that we can't change. Not really. Um, you know, our chromosomes are in every fiber of our DNA. Uh, there are some differences between men and women biologically, not just physically, but um, chemically, mentally. Um, you know, it's easy to say men are stronger than women in general, but that's not always the case. But there are lots of things, lots of differences that cannot be changed, right? Uh, so we have to accept that, but no, the movement has gone be, has gone so far into saying not just that okay, this person feels like they are a man. Then we're talking about gender stereotypes. There, we're no longer talking about sex. We're talking about gender stereotypes. A man is obviously a male human adult, um, but this person feels like a man. They were born a woman. They want to live their life as a man. Yeah, fair enough. Live your life how you see fit. But then they're saying, no, I am a man and I am male. So it's, it's going beyond gender into sex, saying I have changed my sex from one thing to the other which we know is not physically possible it's not it's not humanly possible it's not realistic it's not true um, again it's not it's not me saying i hate trans people or i think you are bad it's me saying no please live your life however you see, you see fit do whatever you need to do to make yourself happy but don't try to make me buy into your lie and it is a lie um i'm happy with you living that lie but i won't have to, i don't have to live your lie I'll be polite and respectful and call you whatever, maybe I won't, maybe I will call you whatever pronouns you decide to use, but I, I don't see, I don't think you have the right to, to for example, women's only spaces, or because there are, so, there are certain health and safety concerns there. If someone who is physically a male, but living as a woman, is competing in sports against someone who was born a woman, who is just a woman, hasn't converted into was you know, just... I don't want to use the word natural or real, but just a woman. Um, if a male is, so a trans woman is fighting, uh, is competing in a sport against a woman, they're going to be physically stronger. They're going to have stronger attributes. They're going to hurt. There's going to be damage there. Likewise, in prisons, it's, this is all common sense. We don't want a, a trans woman in a, in, a, in a woman's prison if there's going to be, you know, if they are committed a sexual assault or something, because that's obvious, the consequences there. And the debate I had was on schooling. So I've been an assistant head teacher in all girls schools, and I've had to deal with this situation, actually, but I didn't, I didn't touch on that uh, first-hand experience too much because of personal information. But the, the idea that we have schools that are discriminatory by sex, and we've acknowledged that that is okay under our law. We're allowed to discriminate by sex in the schooling system, and actually, it benefits girls. It doesn't really boys don't aren't affected either way, but girls do have a dramatic improvement in um, learning in only girl environments. Um, and we're saying if someone identifies as a girl, they should be allowed. Should they be allowed into that environment? I don't think they should because they're not a girl, and they don't have you know they, they won't have the same life as a girl they won't have the struggles of having uh, coming onto the period they won't you know there'll be issues around should they be allowed to get changed in the same changing room and you know my opponent on the debate that you're talking about said well you don't take your pants down in school well i do remember taking my pants down in school actually we had to have a shower yeah. when i was at school many schools do have to have a sh uh, shower but that but, you know there are many many consequences that we need to consider it's not just as simple as let's be kind to the trans people because they're oppressed first of all i don't think they are oppressed the trans activists are vile and the most the loudest people on social media trans people themselves are getting on with their lives 
it's the trans activists that are causing all the trouble. Um, but so I don't think they are oppressed, first of all. But secondly, of course, we should be compassionate to trans people because they've obviously got a lot of uh, mental and physical health issues that they're going through and everyone needs support and love. Uh, but that doesn't mean we have to disregard the truth. We should never disregard the truth. And that's where we're at in society right now. You know, as we're recording this today, uh, we're we're one of the news uh, cycles has been about the Edward Coulson statue and this, this idea that now somehow your personal perspective on things affects reality. So it's not just about truth, it's about reality. So that these four individuals were caught tearing down a statue. So to me, that's criminal damage. And it was very obvious that it was criminal damage because we all saw, saw them do it. And the court case should have been, did they commit criminal damage? Yes or no, there you go, you are guilty. But they were found not guilty because the reason they committed the criminal damage on the statue was because the statue was of a, of a bad person. And again, it comes down to uh, the perspectives of good and bad. Um, so it made the crime okay. Now we're shifting realities here because it's the, we're finding them not guilty of a crime because of the subjects of the crime. It's, it's like, no, they, if they committed it, then they're guilty. But no, we've shifted so far that it's, they've got let off. And I don't, you know, the, the truth and reality are being distorted. And this is the biggest spiritual war of our time. This is nonsense. Yeah. This is... <laughs> is, is it's happened in the states i don't know if it's happened in the uk yet but is this idea of um the uh, the transgenderism making its way into the education system into the curriculum oh you're oh, back, back yeah. yep did, did you hear my my last question then no i heard the word curriculum that was it yeah okay um is is this we're talking about infiltration again um is the the idea of um like you said you're either a man or a woman this is biologically your your two options it's being taught in the states now i've heard um anecdotally that is it's made its way into the curriculum that you know kids are being asked to rate themselves on a scale of one to ten you know how much of a boy are you uh, you know how much of a girl are you i mean is this is this creeping into the uk like system as well this is the scariest thing. So in Scotland, for example, I think it was four-year-olds plus are now allowed to determine their own gender without parental say-so. That is just bonkers to me. The fact that a kid who can't make decisions without an adult is allowed to make some of the most important decisions about themselves, their future, that they can't even conceive yet. It's We're living in a clown world. I don't know how else to describe it. But yet on the curriculum down in England as well, we're seeing you know Stonewall infiltrate, infiltrated for many years. Thankfully, the Department for Education and the Equalities Minister are fighting against it. And Stonewall have been barred from a lot of public institutions now. Uh, some still have, still uh, relate with them, all the years with them, but they are starting to get shoehorned out. But these organizations that will, will push gender ideology and queer ideology onto young people, you know, from silly things like we've seen... Um, um, not not to uh, transvest that's what what are the um sorry the the men that dress up as women uh drag queen we've seen drag queens going into school to read kids lessons on sex education things like that it's very inappropriate you know lots of euphemisms lots of adult jokes essentially um blue humor that it just has no place in a school but it's all progressive because oh look it's a drag queen and you know that's, oh, yeah. um and it's, it's just not okay um we're seeing 
yeah, um, sex education has been pushed down from secondary school. So it's always been in secondary school in, in England. The new sex ed education has been pushed down into primary schools. So younger kids are learning about things like masturbation, which I don't think is a topic that should have any place in a primary school. In fact, some parents would say it has no place in school. Sex and sex education should be something that parents teach their kids, actually. Um, but, you know, I, I can understand there is an argument to be made that it, it should have a place in school too, to some degree, as long as it's not ideological. But a lot of this is ideological. And they're really, really trying to shoe him, shoehorn him there. There are different types of families and, and they want to really normalise um, homosexual marriage, for example, which, again, it's one of those niche, touchy subjects where it's difficult to address without being classed as a homophobe. It's like, you, you should be able to say, within my belief structure, I think the best or the most ideal structure for a family is a, um, a strong male role model and a strong female role model uh, for a child, uh, preferably a mother and a father, but we understand that's not always the case. Uh, it should be okay to say that without someone assuming that you're saying, I hate all gay people. But we've got to such a point in, in the in the cultural dialogue that we can't even address those issues anymore it's just either you believe that um it's binary you believe that gay people are good or gay people are bad it's, it's bonkers but you know um, a lot of people do believe that um gay families can can raise children and live a very happy life but that there is an ideal family structure and we should all aim towards that ideal family structure and i assume that most of those beliefs come from religion and i assume that most of those religions come uh, beliefs in the religions come from the idea that we want to keep reproducing as a species and it's important that we have um heteronormativity as that but that's not saying that homosexuality can't exist alongside it as as a minority but we so there are some elements that want to see homosexuality become the new normality and that would, of course, erase us as a species. It doesn't make any sense. It's not logical. Even, you know, most of my gay friends would say that's just silly. I just want to live my life. I don't really need all this activism. Um, but it's just everything's being pushed to the extreme and it is reaching the curriculum. So we've seen the trans movement, the queer movement. And when I say queer, I'm talking about the whole, you know, um, the uh, drag queens that I was talking about, all of that kind of stuff. I'm not talking about just don't bully people for being gay because everyone would agree with that i'm talking about the extremities of the argument um and of course critical race theory is another element and that's one area that i've done a lot of research into and i've found it, it all across the curriculum um without going into too much detail the research that i did looked into why and where and how because most of the time i'm fighting against people who say we need to decolonize the curriculum or we need to teach more black history or this is not taught in our education and i say first of all how do you know uh, and they don't. They say, I wasn't taught X, Y, Z in school. I wasn't taught about, taught about the British slave trade. And that, okay, were you not taught about it? Or do you not remember being taught about it? Or were you taught it poorly? Uh, let's actually look into this before we just go based on your personal anecdotal experience. Let's do some proper research. So I did. And I found that actually what's going on in our schools right now, the curriculum is very broad, very balanced. We touch on colonialism, the empire, slave trade, all of that stuff in too much detail, if you ask me, mostly negative. But so it is being taught, but the problem is teachers these days don't use textbooks because they're seen as old fashioned and everyone's got to be progressive and liberal and you can't do traditional old fashioned teaching and learning with good old fashioned textbooks. So what they're doing is they're downloading PowerPoint presentations or most lessons these days are taught on PowerPoint. Um, and where do they get their PowerPoints? They don't make all of their PowerPoints. A vast majority of teachers, according to my polls, 
uh, we polled about 9,000 teachers, which is high for a poll. Usually, you know, a good poll is about 2,000. Uh, most teachers download their resources online. And the most popular teaching resource website is the TES, which used to be called a Times Educational Supplement. So I went and looked at all the resources on the TES. And the vast majority of the resources on the TES are full, infiltrated with queer theory, gender theory, trans theory, critical race theory. So even if teachers are not activists themselves, even if they're not setting out to indoctrinate young people, they're getting the resources from people who have infiltrated the system and therefore our kids are being indoctrinated and parents don't even realise it. We homeschool. Good. That's the soundest <laughs> thing you can do. It's so based. <laughs> it's... Well, we follow a self-directed education path and... Um... This is a, a rabbit hole that we, we can go down because you've worked in schools at high level as a teacher and a governor, I think. Teacher, <clears throat> governor, director, and assistant principal. What's the state of the education system now? And what are your thoughts on families that are opting to to take kids out of school and, and uh, to to find an alternative method to you know the state curriculum? I took a lot of stick from teachers recently for saying that. <laughs> I couldn't recommend any schools. I, I would actually recommend people take their kids out of schools and homeschool if you can. And I know that sounds really middle class and not many people can afford to do that. But I'm saying if you can, it's the best for your kids because it's a parent's job to educa educate their child. The education system is supplemental. It was set up to support, not replace parenting. And we forget that. And that's part of the, the takeover as well in that these days, teachers will say but what if parents are teaching them the wrong thing or you know what if the parents are bigoted or racist or it's, they have such a negative connotation of what parents are and they want to do better they want to teach kids the right way according to their values and parents should be passing their values on to kids not teachers teachers should be passing on knowledge nothing else that is the issue uh, so yes get kids out of education if you can there's a small movement within education of schools that are going back to what I call knowledge rich curriculum um, that are there to impart knowledge because the, the vast majority of schools are now progressive liberal messes of the kid is the center of their learning they can direct their learning and you might have heard me say this before but it's worth saying again that a child does not know what they do not know they cannot direct their own learning the adult is the teacher is the expert in the room they are there to impart knowledge uh, and so there's nothing wrong with rote learning for example um kids in rows teacher at the front this is what you need to know fact one fact two practice memorize repeat repeat test these things are very very simple tried and tested but we're, we're trying to modernize too often too quickly and we forget the basics we forget the things that work and it, school shouldn't be fun school's not about being fun learning is fun when you're doing it properly and you're ob obtaining knowledge um but it shouldn't be centered around the fun it should be centered around the knowledge uh so yeah the education system is lost and this is because of the liberals and it's a shame because you know michael goes initiatives for example were fantastic he wanted to implement a really rigorous curriculum get rid of lots of coursework put more exams in place it's just properly test knowledge um he wanted to make sure that there was, the curriculum was very broad and balanced and like i said about history it is uh, for many other areas there's, there's work still to be done he worked with dominic cummings on that you know people have different opinions of gove and cummings i know i certainly changed my mind a lot about those two but when those two work together on education 
top notch. No one since then has even touched it. Every single education secretary since then has been rubbish. Careerists out there for their own political interests. And I say this as someone who's friends with a lot of these people, uh, but, it, but it has to be said. And the SPADs and people in the Department of Education are really good, really sound right now. We have the best team in there, um, but they can only do so much. So the education system in this country is a mess. It's lost. If you can afford to take your kids out and home educate them, do. And I think, I mean, you can probably talk a bit more about this than I can, but one of the, um, you know, people always have this uh, misconception about homeschooling, that, oh, your kids will be at home by themselves all day, no socialising, all that. And they, most homeschoolers have networks and hubs and work with other parents and other professionals and people with specialist knowledge and get kids together for play and, and learning together. And it's not about just you and your parent at home on the kitchen table all day, every day. That's just not how it works, is it? Absolutely not. You've nailed it on the head. And and it's not mom or dad standing at the, um, you know, buying a blackboard and a, a pack of chalk and a board rubber and, and you know, sitting the kids down straight back to a kitchen table. Like that's school at home. That's never going to work. Like it, it, there's, there's specific things uh, in place at schools that are going to uh, elicit specific um, learning um, environments, and at the home it's completely different. And the, the the other the other great one is well, they'll never learn to read. Like no kids ever learnt to read at school, by the way. Like you know they learn to read on mum and dad's laps at story time. It's like it was basic. And but yeah, our kids when they were here in France, we we immersed them in the system in the school system so that they could learn the, the language quicker because that's the way you learn a language by immersion and they had a visit to the library once a week for 15 minutes to choose one book to bring home if your kids at home all day guess what you are surrounded by books and reading material which you can pick up at your leisure and um, and just start playing around with the words in your head and that's how you learn to read um so yeah okay well it's can i just touch on that because you've nailed it on the head please and we, we hear all the time from politicians, the mainstream media, everyone say kids are leaving school, not being able to read. That The problem is in the question. Why are kids leaving school, not being able to read? Because schools don't teach kids to read. Parents should be teaching kids to read. You have it bang on, sitting on your parents' lap, reading to, you should read to your child every single day and encourage them to read with you. That's it. That's how your child re learns to read. That's why kids are leaving school, not being able to read anymore, because parents are expecting schools to do all of the educating now. They've passed on the parental responsibility to the school. And then they're surprised when the kids come back indoctrinated with different values to their own. And this is the breakdown of the family. And it yeah. starts so early because now you have both parents uh, working mm -hmm. uh, in, in many different um, scenarios in many families. You, you've had, well, let's go, let's go back to the 50s or 60s uh, when this was going on. Um, you know, the suffragette movement. Again, I, I'm, con I'm convinced that was infiltrated in the end to push women aggressively out of the home and into the workplace. Yeah. One, to increase the taxpayer base. You know, that's just an absolute given. But two, to take more control of the kids. You know, the, the state education now gets the kid even earlier. Back in those days, you wouldn't have gone to school from the age of five you certainly wouldn't have gone to preschool and you certainly wouldn't have gone to daycare from the age of three months after your paternity leave yeah. it's really troubling and and look at the society that we have yeah well absolutely everything you just said is spot on this i had a um i'm trying to be careful i don't use personal anecdotes very often but i have a loved one who with their child said oh you know when they go to nursery nursery's going to potty train them i said mm. sorry, sorry what 
yeah, yeah, no, she's going to potty train. I was like, no, that's not their job. The, the person was like, yeah, yeah, no, it is. They say that they potty train. I was like, no, it's literally not their job. That's your job as the parent to potty train your child, get your child ready, then take them to nursery if you need to take them to nursery. And they saw it as a service. But I see it as you're passing on your parenthood to someone else. And you're absolutely right in that it's been the breakdown of the family. And, it's, and, it, and it has, you know, feminism wasn't, uh, you know, obviously equality was fundamental and important, but feminism went beyond equality to the point that, uh, well, for many, beyond in many ways, for one, um, there's this whole argument that women are better than men now. And that's, that's something you're allowed to say, but you can't ever say that men are better than women in anything. It's gone skew if. But one of the areas it messed up is, like you say, um, they wanted to tax. They, there's 50% of the t- population that were not spending money, that were not taxable, and now everyone's taxable. The, the elites are making a lot more money, but it's also broken down the family unit and made the next generation even easier to indoctrinate because kids are in school longer and earlier, and the parents have passed on all responsibility to the state. It's just, you, I mean, you described it so well. I don't understand why everyone else doesn't get it. It's frustrating. It is very frustrating. And when you see it, you cannot unsee it. Mm. And you can always follow it back to uh, state intervention. Um, and this, this, this idea that, uh, you know, of a power grab, essentially, it's a power grab over the over the family. And the, you know, the state is always in your home these days, where, you know, a, a very basic example of that is homework mm. for kids. Uh, from the age of uh, God knows how young that, um, you know, here in France, they, they, they start giving kids homework at like seven or eight years old, go home and wrote, learn this poem or go home and do out, fill out this worksheet. Well, the, the reason I wouldn't campaign, campaign against homework is because it's one of the few opportunities for parents to see what their kids are being taught and parents don't take enough interest in what their kids are being taught uh, anymore. So that's a good opportunity uh, that I wouldn't disregard, but I, I do get what you're saying. And the state is in the home at all opportunities. Either I mean, don't don't get me talking about the television. <laughs> so, well, that's a good point, isn't it? Bill Gates didn't give his kids, or, or Steve Jobs didn't give their kids iPads and electronic devices, and because this is an, a tool for indoctrination, it is you know all of this entertainment out there is social justice warrior crap. It's all got methodologies and ideologies behind it, and it's all shoveling nonsense down down off young people's throats all day every day but it's easy isn't it it's the electronic babysitter it's so much easier to just sit your child in front of a screen for a few hours or even if it's just a few minutes while you're busy doing something and it's easy to fall into the pattern or the habit of doing that and then once again you the parent loses the family loses and the state wins it's called programming for a reason yeah, yeah. right it's it literally is and any you could look at any tv show any series and um just sit there for like uh, a minute and just try and peel back the the layers of the onion it's like what what are they trying to force down our necks here um it's it's really uh, it's insidious and mm-hmm. I, I don't know where it ends where it doesn't end because it's it's too addictive and it's too easy yeah. to control um, we should, uh, I, I'm looking at the time and I know, um, we'll, we'll have to, you know, double check in 10 minutes, whether you can go any longer, but, um, we should, um, I, I don't really know. Um, well, can I touch on that just before we get on to your next thing? Please do. I, I want to take as many opportunities as I can to say this thing in that parents need to take responsibility for their child's electric device access. So it's one of the things I talked about most often as a safeguarding officer, as a governor, um, and all, the, all these roles that I had where I saw 
the impact of electronic devices on young people. So the vast majority of bullying these days is cyberbullying, and parents always think their kids are just playing games on their Xbox or on their smartphone, but that's not always the case. And children do not need unfettered access to the internet. In fact, the unfettered access to the internet is dangerous for their minds. Um, not just for pornography, but all kinds of horrors that we know are on the internet. And obviously, we're adults. We don't search those things because we're too busy. But kids aren't as busy as us, and they are searching, and they are exploring. Of course, that's what kids do. And one of the most important things I can ever say to a parent is, at the, if right, first of all, give your kid a dumb phone. If you want your kid to, to have access to a device that they can contact you with when they're not at home, give them an old Nokia or something. But if you must give them a smartphone, and I don't think I don't advise that, if you must take it off them at the end of the day, once they're home, you know, it's a good time for me is dinner time because that's family time sitting around a table. That's how it should be anyway. Um, that's a good time to hand in your mobile phones, but take them off them. Do not let your child ever have a smartphone with internet access in their bedroom at night. That's when the groomers, the pedophiles, the bullies, the nasty trolls all come out to play. And that's where more, all the anxiety and the fear and all of the nastiness that goes on in young people's lives happens. And most adults aren't even aware of it. And it you know, through TikTok and Snapchat and Instagram and all these things that seem very harmless, I would ban social media if I could. Uh, mm -hmm. It's that harmful for young people. So please, whatever you do, uh, parents, if you have kids, do not let them have internet access in their bedroom unsupervised, especially yeah. overnight. Yeah, social media is pretty unsocial at the best of times. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's a bit of double speak right there, isn't it? But uh, what about um, this idea? Have you been down the rabbit hole? And again, um, you know, conspiracy theory of, uh, you know, like uh, eugenics being at play at the moment um, with regards to one, the vaccine, two, this huge push and the idea of, you know, um, non-binary you know it's like uh as you as you touched on earlier have you have you touched on that on gb news at all or thought about this personally um i haven't spoken about it on air yet but i do want to do some investigating in this area because midazolam is a good example of it's one of the horrors that went on during the pandemic and that we saw um the increase of this drug uh, i think it was about 200 percent increase in 2020 the purchase of it and we know that giving this drug to people with respiratory illnesses will pretty much kill them it's often used as an end-of-life drug um and it seems to me i don't want to accuse anyone of anything but it seems to me that this might have been used um whether it's by mistake or on purpose it might have been used and ended up driving up the death rates of elderly people or vulnerable people with COVID in the early days. Uh, likewise, the shoving of the elderly people with COVID into care homes, uh, into hospices, etc., without testing them. And I'm not a big fan of testing, but there are certain times when a test is necessary. If you're taking people from a COVID ward, putting them in an old people's home, common sense would say, well, not just common sense, good ethics would say test them and they were put in there and of course that drove the numbers up as well and I was, you know i i'm i work in um, the church of england and I've, I've spoken to vickers who said actually yeah the covid numbers did go up at certain times when i've when i've questioned whether covid was even a thing they said yeah they did go up at certain times but it was always elderly people it was always old people's homes um and those are the two reasons midazolam and is that i'm pronouncing that right and um the uh shoving them into care homes with the virus um, so it seems the numbers were driven up um, through 
COVID measures, and a lot of these measures have been abhorrent um, for lots of reasons that I'm sure we don't have time to cover. But yeah, eugenics is a, an area that I want to look into and the consequences of all these, these measures. It's just picking your battles. Um, mm -hmm. You know, you can only focus on so much and I want to get it right. And I want to make sure that, because when you raise these issues, if you say one thing slightly wrong, they'll describe the entire argument and they'll shut you down as a conspiracy theorist. So you've got to be so careful. How would, uh, one, one, one question came in actually, is like, how do you keep your cool, especially on GB News? Because you do manage to do it and you come up against some very prickly characters, <laughs> people that are just basically bullies because they know they've got the mic and they know you've got like two and a half minutes and they know that they will just, if they take up the majority of that two and a half minutes, then they win the argument in the eyes of the viewer. Yeah. How do I keep my cool? In all honesty, I grew up in a household full of women. <laughs> so my tactic was we always used to have fights in the family and we love each other so much we're very close but there's always fights and usually around dinner time I think and I just sent sit there and enjoy my food I'm, I'm a big foodie anyone who follows me on Instagram will know that from my stories and I just let the the ladies get on with it and then when they'd stopped yelling and screeching and screaming over each other then I'd say my two pence and I found actually that works but also on top of that I do like to listen and I think I mean, that sounds really arrogant, but I like to take on board what people are saying. So then I think I can make a better argument if I've listened first and then I can destroy their argument by taking what they've said and, and combat it. But most people I find when they're debating, they just want to get their point across and they're not really paying attention to what the other person's saying. And that's how you lose a debate. Um, so I think, yeah, just lots of practice and <laughs> living in a household full of women. Not, I don't mean that in a derogatory way. I love, I love ladies, but, <laughs> but you know what I mean? <laughs> yes. And another question was, uh, who has been like a, an influence in your life? You know, those people that you've you've followed or been mentored by or books you've read um, or, or people that you aspire to uh, emulate. Yep. So on the, on the flip side of that, my mum. My mother is the biggest influence uh, in my life. She inspired me in my politics, in pretty much everything I do, um, almost as much as my faith does. You know, she's the hardest working individual I've ever met. And she gave me my values, um, some of them explicitly, some of them through osmosis. And I thank her for all of that because she's an amazing woman. I'm very lucky to have her. Great, great, uh, great answer. Um, I want to end it on the money and uh, get your your views on you know what's going on at the moment with the monetary policy that you've seen going on the last 18 months, just print as much money into the system across all countries. This isn't, um, yeah. you know, just one, oh, the US and Canada seem to be leading the way. Yeah. Um, the rise in the stock market, because this is ultimately the first thing that happens yeah. uh, due to the Cantillon effect, that the uh, the money goes straight into the um, the assets because people know that the, uh, the, the value of that money is just going to erode in front of their very eyes. Um, what's in your circles what do you what, what are people thinking when they see this do they they i mean lauren started the show explaining inflation as a 10 year old would mm -hmm. do you feel as though there's a deep understanding of what's going on or do you feel as though people are like oh well you know prices are meant to go up over time then you know that's fine and uh the great british pound you know still got the strongest currency in the world yeah I don't think a lot of people realize that the fiat system is is uh, crumbling away. I don't think a lot of people realize that we never really recovered from the 2008 crash. I don't think a lot of people realize that we've spent too much 
at this point that we can never repay it. Uh, you know, the, the 300 billion alone that we borrowed last year, for example, is an extraordinary number that people will talk about as if it's just, you know, spending three pound at the local chippy. Um, and I, I, I was really concerned at the start of the pandemic because as a conservative, I think, you know, we're about low taxes, low spending, um, austerity measures, and we've just spent more than any other government government could do. Um, I was like, you can't spend your way out of a pandemic, but I didn't realize why they were doing it. Um, and I, I think they're kind of rushing ahead um, this, this financial crisis that we're in, uh, pushing it to its extremities so that they can move on to the next stage. And we're seeing already, they're talking about introducing a cashless society. Well, I mean, they've been introducing a cashless society for years. Um, I'm, I'm trying to use cash as much as possible at the moment to, to make it survive. And I hope many people do, but even black cabs at this point, uh, some of them are saying, please use contactless. You know how hard it is to use a contactless in a, in a black cab. Um, so many shops and restaurants, I, tr I try to, you know, if I can, if someone says, sorry, we don't accept cash, go somewhere else, but it's not always convenient. And obviously this is the problem. This is how they get us because convenience always wins. Um, but are they allowed to, to refuse cash? Apparently so. And I think probably COVID's helped them do that. But before COVID, it would have been difficult because we would have said this is legal tender. Mm -hmm. So another thing, another opportunity that they jumped on the back of COVID with. But obviously digital, digital currencies have been coming in. So cashless society is one thing, but digital currencies are being pushed now. And when I say that, I obviously mean the the um, the governments and the elite have seen how well things like Bitcoin have done, and they're terrified of it for obvious reasons. I won't go into because I'm sure your viewers are much more aware of than I am about the decentralization and, and the possibilities there. But they're proposing these centrally controlled digital currencies, which will link into a social credit system. Let's not let's not lie about it. You know, it's one step at a time, as I talked about earlier. First, you'll have your digital ID, maybe your vaccine passport, and then you'll have a digital currency. And then, oh, the two things are linked for convenience. And then, oh, your benefits are linked to your digital currency, which is also linked to your vaccine status. If you don't get your latest booster, you won't get your credits, therefore you won't get as much benefits. All these things will get linked. And the trial for this has been China. And we're seeing a great success over there. They're controlling their population in, in great numbers, uh, probably just as well as North Korea do. Um, and we're seeing all of this come into play in the West. And that's what terrifies the living daylights out of me. And it's a difficult topic to have outside of, you know, podcasts like this because people will think you're nuts uh, mm -hmm. you can't talk about the end goal because they will say well we'll never do that it's like when we talk about covid and we talk about you know i often use the word draconian or tyranny uh, i'm trying not to because it shuts people down because they think you know I, i'll say things like well let's look at the parallels uh, like i talked about earlier uh, um you know you are the nazi for example I can now understand in 1930s Germany, I've always asked the question, why do people go along with it? Why? Now I, can, I feel like I can now understand it because I see people who are complicit for many reasons. Some people just want an easy life. So they'll just wear the mask. First, it's just a mask and then you know, just a jab. And then it's just two jabs. Then it's just three jabs. And it's just step by step, they're getting, giving away more freedoms. Yeah, I don't go to nightclubs anyway. Why do I care if there are vaccine passports for nightclubs? It's just pubs. Oh, it's just sporting events. It's just concerts. It's just gigs. It's that, that's that meme, isn't it? It's just, it's just, it's just, it's not just. It's just one extra thing at a time constantly. 
But we have to talk about the small steps because if we talk about the end goal, you know, if I say, let's draw parallels to 1930s Germany, how did people go along with it? You can't compare what's going on now to the Holocaust, mm -hmm. you, you anti-Semitic monster. And I'm, I'm the biggest um, Zionist there is. I'm not anti-Semitic in any way, shape or form. I'm not trying to say that one thing is the same as the other. I'm saying I can understand now how one thing led to the other. I can see the journey and the route and how people went along with it because we seem to be doing something similar now. It's so difficult to have this conversation with, with blue pills. It may it's the amount of people that I, I've used the analogy like 1930s um, Germany. This is crazy, and the pushback. The people it's like it, they're almost offended. Yeah, and he's like, yeah. okay, well, I tell you what, you know, Gesundheit Pass. Look that up. That translate to health pass. And if you, you're the Gesundheit Pass was what was given out to the Jewish people. Yeah. That's what's happening right now. Yeah. It's a direct translation. How can you not? compare it to what happened like you'd be nuts not to and to at least try and unravel what why are we being controlled in this way and how has this happened before and how did that turn out not great <laughs> yes it has happened before we're seeing police walking around france saying papers please this has literally mm -hmm. happened before exactly well maybe not exactly but in this way how are people not awake to it and that is the problem isn't it that how that's the big question how do we wake people up it truly is. And um, yes, your your worries about the central bank digital coin are very real. This is their agenda. There's no doubt in any of our minds that are here in the Bitcoin space and understand. And we've been many of us have become very, uh, you know, staunch students of the history of money or what is money is the biggest um, question what is money you know what does it mean why why are we the only species on this planet that have a medium of exchange mm. uh, and getting deeply into this subject and and how that organizes society and how it corrupts society as we were beginning at the um uh, as we started off uh, talking about at the beginning um they're doing this and they see China as the ultimate goal because it is ultimate control. And I don't know how this has crept in, especially into um, you know our country, a country like Britain. Where do these people get the idea that they can have this total control over the population and why that is actually a good thing as an absolutely awful thing, as a terrible thing? Um, so watch out for it. A few more clues will be um this push for cashless the i was shocked at how much you can pay for something on contactless now in the uk is there a minimum it, it was like unbelievable i couldn't believe the amount of that um people were using to pay or pay on their phones the probably in the next three to five years that the game plan will be a um a central bank digital coin an app that you're coerced into downloading because if you download it within a certain time you will be airdropped a certain amount of Britcoin, whatever you want to call it, then you'll be penalized for um, for being late. And so you want to get in there as, as soon as possible. And then you can start tracking every single purchase, every single, they'll be able to tax you at the point of um, sale. Uh, if you're a business or if you're providing a service, they'll be able to give you little bonuses for whatever reason, they'll be able to take bonuses away from you, or just completely shut you out of the society. And they're going to start watching as we know from the uh, the COP26 kind of um, narrative, they're going to start watching your carbon intake and your meat consumption. Yeah. And guess who this links back to, Kelvin? The WEF. Uh, Bill Gates? Well, of course. Yeah. It's all Be the same umbrella, isn't it? Yep. 
But this answers your question. You said, you know, how, why are why are our leaders or our, why are our governments looking to uh, mirror China and why are they looking to control the population? I don't even think they are. I, I, you know, Boris Johnson, as an example, I don't think he's looking and saying we want a country like China. I think he he and people around him have just been through the WF school and they've just talked to each other at, at Davos and they've had exchanged ideas that have been, you know, kind of nudged along and they're, they're being dragged in that direction. I don't think they, they are wicked or evil or have intentions of, of creating a, a communist country, but that's the way it's going. And they don't see it that way either. They still see themselves as capitalists or even free marketeers. Or I'm sure Boris Johnson will still consider himself a libertarian. But the Overton window has shifted so much. <laughs> is there a left? Is there a right? Or is it just team nation state wins whoever gets in? Yeah, but it's not even the nation state that wins. Is it? it is the it is the globalist movement? Whether whether you whether it's Bill Gates or BlackRock and Vanguard or the WEF, whoever the figures are, and it really doesn't even matter because at the end of the day they just become caricatures of a baddie. The, the idea is what matters, and the idea is what's dangerous because we lose our freedoms. Exactly. All right, Kelvin, we've gone ten minutes over time, so I apologize for that. Um, but um, before we before we leave, uh, is there anything? Um, how can people come and find you? Is there anything we didn't touch on that you'd like to get off your chest? Or any questions? Further questions about Bitcoin? Yeah, the, the mic is yours. Um, as for where to find me, I don't like to plug just my Twitter because I, I assume I'm going to get banned at any moment. But just Google Calvin Robinson. I'm on all the social networks. Uh, Getter's the latest big one. Uh, it seems to be in favor of free speech, but then I've seen rumors that it might be backed by Chinese money. So I don't even know. I don't know what's safe anymore. This is the problem. Um, you can find me on GB News. That's the best bet. Uh, as for what we have, actually, this has been a really good discussion. I've really enjoyed it and we've covered a lot of ground. Um, I feel like I've learned a lot and I, I think I'm going to plug into your next couple of episodes and see who you're talking to because I feel like I need to know more about Bitcoin. I've, I've been sent, uh, what was it? Uh, it's on my pile of shame. Oh, yeah. <laughs> pile of shame. We all have those. <laughs> I've been sent this one to do some homework with. So Ladies and gentlemen, he's holding up the Bitcoin standard by Saifedean Amos. And uh, that is the book you should read uh, if you want to start understanding. Um, my well, this goodness. Is, this is my COVID pile. So the real Anthony Fauci from uh, Kennedy. Yeah. Um, what really happened in Wuhan by Markson. Uh, Shaping the future of the fourth industrial revolution and the great reset by Schwab. And of course, a state of fear by Dodsworth. Wow. That's, my, that's my homework for COVID. I, I, I have my pile behind me, as you can see. It's very, it's very, <laughs> it's very highly skewed towards Bitcoin. Um, Corona false alarm was an interesting one, right? Um, by uh, Sachurit Bhakti, the um, the Thai German doctor that came out very early and just started calling it all out. Uh, was very very interesting read. But um, get on top of um, Safe's book. Yeah, the Bitcoin Standard. Uh, the 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 first. 80% of that book is about monetary history. Uh, it will pique your interest. You will find it truly fascinating. And then um, it's rounded out nicely towards the end. Now he's just released his latest one, the Fiat Standard, uh, which exposes Fiat system. And you'll be shocked to know uh, what happened in the, war in the First World War. Uh, it's not the story we were told, and it's been unearthed. Um, there, were, there was uh, a report. You know how they release reports like a certain amount of years later um and safe found a report that was released in 2017 or 18 um which basically 
uh, outed the Bank of England and their involvement uh, before the uh, the start of the war, and um, years later. taking us off. Yeah, taking us off the um, the gold standard and uh, it, the way that they did it and how they utilized the post office to do that to trick the civilians into giving up their gold, mate. History books need rewriting. Mm. This is why we say fix the money, fix the world. Yeah. Um, and it's, um, I know uh, if, you, if, you, if you're kind of gazing around Bitcoin, Twitter, and you're seeing all of these crazies throwing missiles at each other and whatever else, um, there's a much deeper thing going on. And it's uh, a really intellectually stimulating topic and, and place to be. So happy to stay connected and I'll send you a few uh, podcast episodes that I think you might be interested in and um, thank you so much for your time I'd appreciate that because yeah honestly the Bitcoin community I'm not really in it but I see on Twitter they are the ones who seem most awake to what's going on so you guys are plugged in and I'm happy to learn from you guys so thank you very much Kevin it's been a pleasure thank you so much and uh, look forward to the next time take care God bless take care well, there you go, guys. Calvin, again, a huge thanks for your time and coming on the show and sharing your insights. And thank you for standing up for common sense and doing that on the biggest platform on daytime television. And with GB News, you're doing great work to help wake up the masses that just are wandering through what we're now calling this uh, mass formation psychosis. Um, how do we end it? well with with more discussions like this and sharing these podcasts and these conversations around so get to it plebs whoever's listening uh the bitcoin plebs i'm referring to uh if you're coming in from from calvin's side of the um of the equation here and uh listening because of perhaps he's retweeted the show welcome thank you if this is your first touch point to bitcoin please stick around uh us bitcoin plebs we like to call ourselves we are humble students of of money and as i pointed out to calvin in this interview that basically means everything is very deeply philosophical fascinating subject once you start laying um you know layering back those those excuse me peeling back those layers of the onion so yeah ha happy to answer any questions and please bitcoin community reach out to calvin say hi say thank you for his time and let's hope that uh, he can carry the conversation about Bitcoin onto GB News and uh, start getting some more guests on around this topic. Thank everybody for listening. Please check out the sponsors in the show notes. They're Shift Crypto for your hardware wallet. They are Relay or Swan Bitcoin or Bitcoin Reserve or Coin Corner to stack your sats. And if you want to get to the conference, use code BITTEN at checkout. 6th to 9th of April in Miami. Catch you on the next show, guys.